0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning, okay? Awesome. Awesome. I like that little golf clap. Thank you for that. That was good, Kim. I appreciate that. Welcome uh, this morning. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Tom. I'm the pastor here. And uh, for all of you online as well, I just want to say so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, I think I'm going to speak about something probably never, no one in this room has ever heard a message on before. So, I'm kind of excited about that. And you could judge me and you could tell me later if you have. But uh, I'm going to start with a story, if that's okay with you. So, let me read this for you. A large black bear emerged from its winter den and lumbered into the forest. Its massive paws left a clear trail in the snow that still covered the ground. Because of the snowfall, the hungry bear was unable to locate any green plants or fresh berries. Determined to find food, it approaches a large beehive, and with one swipe of its powerful paw, the bear knocks the hive to the ground. Breaking it open, the famished bear began quickly to devour the sticky honeycombs. The startled bees tried in vain to defend their home and store of provisions, but the bear stomped on the fragments of the hive, killing many of the bees." The dazed survivors fled the scene of destruction, but realized it would only be a matter of seconds before they would perish. It was almost too cold for them to fly, and they possessed only enough energy to travel a very short distance. At this time of the year, there would be no flowers filled with nectar to replenish their strength. But suddenly, the bees sensed the sweet aroma of nectar. How could this be? It was only February, long before any forest flowers would appear. Throughout the swamp, little patches of snow had melted besides strange-looking hoods that had poked up through the ice and snow. These unique plants had been prepared for such an emergency as this. The bees dropped down for a closer look, and they saw a small cluster of yellow flowers within each protective hood. The flowers had actually developed into the previous fall, uh, during the previous fall and were shielded from the harsh winter by their brownish-purple hoods. And entering the hoods, the bees discovered another remarkable feature, an internal temperature of 72 degrees. And the excited ble- bees flew from plant to plant, gaining warmth and restoring their energy. And after collecting an ample supply of nectar, they traveled the final distance to the safety of a new home. The bees survived because this plant had met basic needs when other plants were unable to do so. So, let me introduce you to Simplocarpus foetidus. The literal definition is a foul smelling plant with a united fruit, aka, I heard it, skunk cabbage. Yes. When its leaves are crushed and broken, it begins to stink. And I have a story about skunk cabbage, another one. I was, as a kid, went to uh, overnight camp. And, uh, you know, obviously we did all the things that campers do. And so one day we went on a hike and everyone's going through and we found some skunk cabbage. And uh, my friends and I decided uh, that it would be fun to play a little prank on one of our other friends. Uh, now, which is weird, because that's not like me. I, I, I don't like those kinds of, of pranks, but uh, I just went along with it, I guess, and did it anyway. So we gra- uh, grabbed some of these skunk cabbage leaves, and when we were do- we kind of put them in our pockets, whatever. We got back to the camp and uh, put our stuff down. Everybody went out and did their own thing. Some people went swimming. Some people were playing games, whatever it was. Um, I stayed behind and took those skunk cabbage leaves and put them in my friend Richard's pillowcase so that he would have a nice surprise later. Now, mind you, this is the middle of summer. It's probably, you know, 80 to 90 degrees out. You could imagine after several hours, and he goes and lays his head on that pillow, uh, what happened then? Pretty disgusting stuff. So, let me tell you a little about skunk cabbage. Skunk cabbage is found in the eastern United States, uh, uh, maybe as far south as Georgia, as far west as uh, Michigan, um, It's usually one of the first pieces of vegetation that comes up in late winter or early spring. I actually went for a hike yesterday in my own woods, and I found these coming up. It's brownish-purple or even yellowish-hood, and it surrounds this tiny cluster of yellow flowers. Um, So I hear that it looks so much like an exotic plant that long ago, uh, people trying to make some money in New York, these vendors would take them and try to sell them on the streets as exotic lilies. So you can imagine the surprise uh, some people came home to with that. Um, at times, I understand Indians and early settlers used to, uh, if, if it was a long, cold, harsh winter, uh, they may need to have skunk cabbage as a means of survival, in it, uh, which sounds horrific. Um, elk and deer will eat it if there's nothing else to eat. Apparently, cattle will starve uh, as opposed to eating it. Um, Uh, I have heard that some American Indian tribes would use this as a test of strength and courage for those who are about to become chiefs. If they could keep the leaves of the skunk cabbage in their mouth, uh, then that would be uh, some kind of test for them being able to take that next step, I guess. Um, And you're saying, Tom, why in the world are you telling me about skunk cabbage? Well, I think maybe by the time I finish today, You might figure out why. We've been in this series called Friends, and uh, I've been really excited about it. And uh, today we are, again, going to go and look at Scripture, um, and we're going to see another uh, Bible story that helps just drive home an idea that I think we all need this morning. And so let me set up this Bible story for you. Uh, King David, how many people have heard of King David? King David. Probably most of you, right? One of the most famous kings in all of Israel. We know a lot about him. Uh, We find him in this story. He's in trouble. And he's fleeing for his life, in fact. Uh, A revolt is taking place in his kingdom. And um, regrettably, it's spearheaded by his own son, Absalom. And Absalom had mounted this uh, insurrection, and he plans to take over the throne of Israel. He gathers up this army, uh, and so now he chases David off the throne. And David uh, has a small army of his own, and they are running for their lives. Um, So not only are they in physical danger, but can you imagine your own son trying to kill you? So I can imagine the emotional distress and anguish that he was going through as well. And so they flee into the wilderness, uh, this group of men, um, and they find themselves in a place called Mahanaim. Don't judge me if I didn't say that right. In fact, this whole message is gonna be filled with names that I'm probably going to mess up, give me grace, okay? But we're gonna call it Mahanayim, and this is where I pick up reading the story. If you wanna follow along, if you have your Bible, uh, that would be awesome, or you could follow along here on the screen. Second Samuel chapter 17, we're gonna start reading in verse 27. This is what it says. When David arrived at Mahanaim, he was warmly greeted by Shobi, son of Nahash, who came from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and by Macher, son of Amiel from Lodabar, and by Barzillai of Gilead from Rogalim. I told you the names. They brought sleeping mats and cooking pots and serving bowls, wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, butter, sheep, goats, and cheese for David and all those who were with him. For they said, you all must be very hungry and tired and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness. Today I want to introduce you to a man named Barzillai. Everybody say that with me, Barzillai. Good job. The Bible calls him a very great man. And I don't know about you, but whenever I see language like this in scripture, my ears perk up because I'm thinking, what is it about this guy that makes him so great? What is so special about Barzillai? So I think, first of all, kind of obvious. The first thing we see is a person who's willing to risk his life for the king. Now, of course, he has friends with him. So this group was willing to risk their life Uh, to save the king. When they heard that David was in trouble, they showed up and were there to help. Now we all know, if they got caught, we know the end was not gonna be pretty for them. So they put themselves out on the line. But they were there to lend support. They were there to physically meet a need. And I've come to believe that they were also there to, to emotionally meet a need, to bring support to David And his men in their time of need. What did they do? So Barzai and his friends. They bring sleeping mats. A whole bunch of food. Pots to cook it in. And bowls to eat it from. They were there to listen. To protect. And to serve. And so. Just like that skunk cabbage. Was there for those bees. And just like that skunk cabbage was there. After the long harsh winter. So. Were Barzillai and his friends there to help David in his time of need? Here's my question. Do you have friends in your life that you know you could count on that would be there for you in your time of need? Maybe a better question. Are you the kind of friend that is willing to be there for someone in their time of need? For me, it's come to the point, I can't even count how many times people have been there for me in my time of need. In my times of great distress, someone has shown up. There have been many days that I've had enough. And if I could have an honest moment with you, even in church world, there have been so many times as a pastor said, I've had enough. I'm done The loss is too great. The discouragement is too great. The pain is too great. There have been other times in my life that I have gone through some physical setbacks or ailments. I remember there was a time I was out of work for about a month battling with kidney stones, had a couple different surgeries. Uh, I just—it was just a, a tough battle, long battle. It started messing with my mind. I remember another time I had vertigo for close to a week, and I don't know if anybody has ever had vertigo, but that's one of the most horrific things that I have ever experienced. You just couldn't get. So I was in bed, and I remember I'm going to give a big shout out to my boy Danny Sano, who's probably watching in sunny Florida right now. We're all jealous. But he just came over and as embarrassing as it was for me, he came, he just he sat on the bed with me, he just showed up, he talked. He was there for me in my time of need. He reached out with compassion and love and care. And I'm telling my story, but I know that many of you out there have suffered much more than I have. You've suffered great loss in your life Stuff that I can't even begin to imagine. Some of you have lost a spouse. Some of you have lost a child. Some of you have lost a parent. Others of you have lost your job and have, or maybe are, going through great financial difficulty. Some of you have endured or continue to endure great emotional pain, emotional distress, anxiety, stress to the point of debilitation, maybe other cognitive or emotional disorders that leaves you in a place that is dark and lonely. And I think David may have been in one of these places when we find him in scripture in this story. So here he is in this kind of place and Barzillai's simple act of just showing up was enough in that moment to give him strength for that day. So I ask again, do you have people in your life that you know would be this kind of friend for you? Better yet, are you the kind of person that is there for your friends. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the story in, our, in the Bible. You can read the rest of that yourself. It's both tragic and victorious at the same time. The food and the shelter, the provisions that Barzai and his friends brought changed everything, honestly. Uh, it made enough of a difference to strengthen, I believe, David's leadership. It strengthened physically the army that was with him. And so you go on to read that they end up in a battle against Absalom and his army and they, they come away with a win. They come away with a victory. So it's great in the sense that they won a victory uh, of good and right. But it's also tragic in the same sense as you read that Absalom ends up dying in this battle. And so for David, he was greatly grieved still in his spirit. But the story of Barzai doesn't end there. I want to check out what happens in the next chapter. So if you're following along, we're going to start in 2 Samuel chapter 19 now. 2 Samuel 19, starting in verse 31. Barzillai of Gilead had come down from Rogalim to escort the king across the Jordan. He was very old, 80 years of age, and very wealthy. He was the one who had provided food for the king during his stay at Mahanaim, Come across with me and live in Jerusalem, King David said to Barzillai. I will take care of you there. So I'm going to stop for a second and say, this is an amazing story. Because of this simple act of showing up, because of this simple act of kindness, the king says, Barzillai, I'm inviting you to come and your family as well, and you can live in the palace. You're going to have all the comforts that you need. You're going to have all the provisions that you want. Thank you. I'm so grateful for everything you've done. What I have is yours. I mean, what an amazing story. And who in their right mind would say no to that? Except Barzillai does. And I love this portion of scripture. Verse 34, nah, he replies, I'm far too old to go with the king to Jerusalem. I'm 80 years old today. Happy birthday, Barzillai. And I can no longer enjoy anything. Food and wine are no longer tasty. I can't hear singers as they sing. I'd only be a burden to my lord, the king. Just go across the Jordan River with the king is all the honor that I need. So let me return again and die in my own town where my father and mother are buried. <laughs> I, love, I love this guy. But... Here's your servant, Ham. another great name for you. Some of your Bibles might say, Chimham, all right? Let him go with my Lord, the king, and receive whatever you want to give him. All right? That's fine with me, David says. Ham will go with me, and I'll help him in any way you would like, and I will do for you anything you want. So all the people crossed the Jordan with the king, And after David had blessed Barzillai and kissed him, Barzillai returned to his own home, and the king crossed over to Gilgal, taking Kimham with him, and all the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel escorted the king on his way. This story is cool. is like, nah, I'm too old. I can't hear anything. I can't see anything. I'm just going back home, man. He seems like my, my kind of guy, let me tell you. If you know, I get a chance to meet him in heaven someday, that would be awesome. He doesn't need the pomp and circumstance. He doesn't need the attention. Seems humble enough to me. Doesn't need the good life living in the king's palace would provide for him. He's too loyal, he's too practical for that. By the way, Barzillai means a uh, heart of iron or iron-hearted, and I could totally... See that just in this passage, just how loyal he was, how practical he was, how staunch he was. Just, this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm cool with it. Go ahead, take my son instead. Cool story. But is the story over? Not even close. Fast forward now. To the time that David is coming to the end of his reign. It's been a long, it's been a good reign. He's old now himself and he's dying. And so we find him here passing on his instructions to his rightful heir to the throne. We know him as King Solomon. I'm sure you've heard of him as well. And so in the passage we're about to read, David goes on and he's giving instructions to his son Solomon to how to carry on. And he's telling them all about, hey, you have to follow what God says. He's instructing him to stay, to stay aligned with God. He starts to list off all these names. These are people you need to keep close by you. This is who does this. This is what you need to watch out for. Again, you could read all this yourself in 2 Kings chapter 2. And then we come to verse 7. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 7 says, Be kind, To the sons of Barzillai of Gilead. So, this is years later. Make them permanent guests at your table, for they took care of me when I fled from your brother Absalom. We see David's final instructions to watch out for these people who were loyal make sure you're looking out for the people who came by and stood with and were there for me when I needed it most. What an amazing story. What an amazing legacy. And so here is what I want to throw out as the main takeaway for you this morning. It's this. Love and loyalty are life-giving. And life changing. Love and loyalty are life giving and life changing. Listen, if you've ever experienced this, you know this to be true. If you've experienced this from others when they were there for you in their time of need, you know the kind of life that it breathes into your soul. You know the kinds of changes that just can go on even in your heart and your own mind when someone is there for you. If you've experienced this, you're a blessed person today. And so I'm going to ask the question one more time. Do you have this kind of friend in your life? Better yet, are you this kind of friend for those around you? Is the story over? Well, almost, but not quite. When you put the pieces of the Bible, different Bible stories together, you're going to discover that Kimham, or Chimham, Barzillai's son, goes on to found an inn. Like an inn, like the kind of, of place, a kind of structure that people would come and stay at when they needed shelter, right? So, so maybe a stranger or a foreigner passing through the land, Kim Ham goes and sets up a place for them to be able to stay as they're passing through. Now, we kind of just, we don't think much about that, but from what I understand, in those times, this was a very unusual thing to start this kind of a business, to start this kind of a place. And I just think, it's very interesting to me. When I look again at the legacy that Barzillai passes down, obviously the apple does not fall far from the tree. Here we have his son who's thinking about meeting other people's needs, just as his dad did. So he's following in the same footsteps of hospitality and care for others, which is awesome in itself, but it also, as a side note, speaks volumes to me about the kind of examples that we parents are setting for our kids, right? The kinds of things that we're responding to in our lives, the, the fact that we're not getting so caught up in our own things, and our own, things, in our own um, meeting up our own needs or wants and desires, but we're truly looking out for the good of others. The kinds of habits and ideals that our children will learn from, from us, Well, it's interesting because this inn um, became so popular that it was actually mentioned 400 or so years later in the book of Jeremiah. No lie, true story. So in another story in the Bible, and I'm not going to talk about that story, we see this mentioned. Uh, I'm going to show you this verse. Jeremiah chapter 41, verse 17. It says, and they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham. There you go, this, this structure, this inn of, of Chimham, which was near Bethlehem as they went on their way to Egypt. You see that? That's pretty cool stuff. But I'm looking a little below the surface. Do you see what I see there? Do you see you? See. that's your hint <laughs> could it be could it be that this unusual place that housed strangers and foreigners as they were passing through would someday host a young couple who had to be at a certain place in a certain time. An inn located near Bethlehem when this young couple, the woman who was quite pregnant, needs a place to stay. In the innkeeper, when everybody else said no, maybe by this time they'd become popular, I don't know. But the innkeeper graciously finds a place for two people in need. Could it be? Could it be? Love and loyalty. Are life giving and life changing. You know this to be true if you've ever experienced it. So, how do I wrap this amazing story up if I could even do it beyond what I just said? Because that just blows my mind. I can't help but notice that the first provision that Barzillai brings out to help David was what? Do you remember? What we read? A bed. Why in the world would someone bring a bed to the wilderness? It seems that Barzilai knew exactly what those men needed in their time of great distress. He was there and his friends to bring comfort and support to someone hurting and in need. And the tradition continues with his son, Kim Ham, who goes on, as unusual as it was in those days, of providing a bed to people in need of comfort and rest and safety and protection from the elements. And could it be, could it be that God may have honored this family by allowing one of its members to meet a need for the Christ child that others were unable to meet. And this is why the story reminds me of skunk cabbage. We look at this plant, usually we just pass by it, we look at it as foul smelling and worthless. Or we can look at this plant as meeting a need in the most unusual of ways, in the way that only it can. I challenge you go read about soaked cabbage. It's a very unique plant in the way that it grows. But it also reminds me that we can offer our support and our love and our loyalty to those around us as friends who can encourage to feed others and maybe even open up our home and provide a bed. Love and loyalty are life-giving and life-changing. Let's pray. God, I I think about stories like this and I am amazed at your love and your faithfulness and your loyalty to us and that while we were still sinners you died for us and it started with coming to this earth as a baby and God when we peel back the layers and see all the layers of these stories in scripture we wonder how you put all the pieces together people that we would never imagine would make a difference they just did what they could they just did that little bit I pray that we could be those kind of people I pray that as we look to be friends that we would pe- be people that live lives of love and loyalty that you would open our eyes to the needs around us in our own families and our friend circles in this community. God may we be the kind of people that bring what we can. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, we're gonna finish up our series on friends. And I'm gonna take a little bit of slant off this message and we're gonna talk about having people in your life that you can rely on, go to, depend on. I wanna talk about mentors. So I hope you'll join us next week.